welcome to the Farmers I Know podcast. I'm Carolyn Hershon. This is the show dedicated to conversations with the people that are growing food to nourish their communities. The Farmers I Know let their values on how the earth and people should be treated lead the way. Today's guest is On Doan. He manages a farm in Brookville, Maryland called The Farm at Our House. I worked there a good chunk of last year. People are drawn to On. Our CSA is bustling with people hoping to catch a word with him to tell him about their home gardens, or ask advice on what to do with different greens, or ask about his family even. He is a very talented farmer and loves to teach people about farming. But if you want to learn, you better be ready to give 100%. He expects this out of everyone, including himself. A farm crew member I worked with one time said it used to be his goal to get as fast and as dedicated as on, but he told me that he gave up after getting nowhere close, and we laughed together about how funny it was that he had even tried. I drove over to the farm at our house last week to have a chat with on. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, how, like, how big is this farm? Like, how many acres do you farm? We farm in somewhere between five and seven acres. Okay. And you got like a couple sections of garlic. How many pounds of garlic? Do you have any idea how many pounds of garlic that's gonna be? So we planted somewhere between 200 to 250 pounds of garlic. Oh my gosh. And you can see in between the garlic, we have the empty bed. Uh-huh. We're going to put beans in between the garlic or summer squash. Summer squash? Yes. So the reason we do that because the pet the pest pressure of beans and summer squash is really high. So we have to grow a little bit of them in every different section. Yeah. So, so if you get pests in one bed, it doesn't destroy the whole crop. It just destroys that one section. Yes. So the first planting we plant them here, the second planting will be a little far away from this section because we we grow organically so like we we don't spray like heavy chemical to kill the pets so that's why we have to do different like way to prevent them yeah you got all sorts of strategies so what else are you going to start planning in the next week so it, it really depends on the weather but the first planting including peas the first round of brassica uh -huh. you know spring cabbage kale Oh, and also we're going to we're going to plant a lot of potato and carrot cool right, this is the right. time for that yes this is the time for it and what about this area right here that used to be where all our tomatoes were growing so are you, you going to grow tomatoes there again in the same place no definitely not because i'm sure a lot of bad bacteria that could harm the tomato next year if we grow there yeah that's why we we, we will grow tomato in another plot very cool. What else are you excited about for the spring? The shallots. Shallots. Yeah, they're coming up so nicely. Yep, they look great. That's exciting. And when will, when are they going to be ready to harvest? Mid-July, like late July. Oh, wow. And also, this is the secret to grow shallots. You don't plant the big clove because the big clove, they have a lot of water. And ah. so that water will harm like the tiny, like the tiny leaf in the middle. So you plant a small one. Come closer, we can take a look. Okay. Yeah. They're adorable. Are we gonna do any um, weeding to these beds or probably not? Uh, we, 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 we have to cultivate a few times. Uh -huh. But not, not too bad because you can see now, no, like you don't see any weeds here. No, not because, at all. Because it's too cold for them. 
the Charlotte, they do have the head start, so they will, you know, they will be competing with the weeds. Do, do you remember what did we grow over here? Um, I forget. We grow a bunch of different radishes. Is there a reason you planted those and then chose this spot to be the shallot bed? So we grow, we grow the radish, you know, when the, probably in the late summer. And the radish, like, the, the growth really fast. And after we harvest the radish, we only get the root. We don't get any of the top. Mm -hmm. So the top, they still have a lot of nutrients. You know, we, we leave them back to the field. Okay, cool. So you leave them there. Yeah, and then we leave them there, and then we, you know, we flip the bed, and then we put Charlotte right in. And then we, we're not going to fertilize the Charlotte again, I think because the soil is rich enough. You know, the, the thing about the nutrient of the soil is like the fuel in the, in the tank. The so fuel we, in the tank. Yeah. So we try to keep the fuel like full. Most of the, I mean, all the time. Yeah. So whenever the crop want, want to grow, they have, you know, they have enough or of the resources that they need to grow. So we, we, we try to keep the fuel like full all the time. <laughs> cool. How are the strawberries looking? Uh, they need some work. <laughs> they need some work. But they're good. They're okay. You remember planting them like? Oh, yeah, I remember. Your first week or something. Oh yeah, I remember. That was so much work, and it was like raining, so I definitely remember that. When it started to rain, we went into the greenhouse so I could find out a little bit more about his story and what inspires him. So I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about what made you want to farm? Is this something you wanted to do since you were little or is this something you found later on in life? I wasn't really into farming. I didn't know much because I didn't have a chance to learn about it or to get into it. Around 2015, when I, when I saw a job at the University of Maryland, they looking for students to work on their farm and I apply and then I learned much more about farming by doing that and since then I fell in love with farming and then I I think that's the the time that I really get into farming and how long does it take to become a really good farmer like when do you know you're ready to manage your own farm, do you think? It depends because everyone is different. And also, um, if you get a lot of pressure, you may learn a lot more. So after three months working on the farm in 2015, the people at the farm I work at, they introduced me to the farming training program in Santa Cruz, California. Mm -hmm. So right after my college, I went to Santa Cruz and did the farming program there. And at the end of 2016, I was looking to work on the farm, and somehow I, I found a job at the farm I'm, I'm still working at right now. So I, I came back to Maryland in uh, 2017, and so back then, I was so excited to, to work on the farm because I wanted to apply what I learned from Santa Cruz, like on the actual farm. So one thing about farming I like about it because you keep learning every year, like every year you learn something new and you get better and better 
every year. Yeah. I'm still learning about farming. So, I mean, at least for me, maybe it take me maybe three to five years to be like really good at it. So I also wanted to ask you a little bit about the barriers of being a small scale farmer and how you overcome those barriers. At least like me, I didn't realize how much it costs to start a farm. How much it costs? Yes. Everything costs so, so much money. And we don't have a lot. Like you work here, you see we, we don't have a lot of the, the infrastructure. So we kind of struggle. And also farming, we there there are endless number of things that we have to do. Farming depends too much on the things that we don't have control over, like the weather. As much as we do, there's so many things that can have the effect on on the outcome. Yeah. So for me, whenever I do something, like I give a hundred percent of what I could, so I won't regret it. But for example, if we lose some crop based on the weather, I I won't get you know I won't get upset about it because I don't have control over the weather. Right, and this year there were unique challenges, right? How did you get through this year? Yeah, so this this year like not a lot of people like it, you know, because of pandemic. But that was a chance for, to the people to realize the problem that we have, <clears throat> and also, you know. When we have some like when something go wrong, the people they we we stick together and then we try to fight fight that back. I mean, and also like this year we have you know the farm crew we we work well together. Like we we were able to serve a lot of people, like provide food to the people. So to me, this year I learned that the community is really really important. Like when we stick together, we can overcome the hardiness. Which in normal time, I don't think people will see that or value that much about a community. Yeah, so that's that's the thing I, I like and I learned about this year. Mm -hmm. I wonder what role do you think farmers have as stewards of the earth, if any? Um, I think it's, it's the responsibility of everyone, but farmers just play a role in it because we, you know, we are the one who grow things. So we we grow things on the soil, so we we try everything to make the soil better. We're not trying to squeeze out everything from the soil. And after four years on this farm, the soil our soil is getting a lot better and instead we use like organic material. So we use a lot of leaves and we we do cover cropping. So to that question, yeah, farmer play a role, and we try to do everything we could to have the positive impact to the environment. That's great. I'm wondering. Oh, go ahead. No. no. Oh, I was just gonna say, I'm wondering what you think about the future. I guess the future of food systems in general, and also the future for you as a farmer. I mean, it's hard to say, you know, the food system is really a big term, but at least for us, mostly like we sell to local people, probably like 10 to 15 mile radius, 
so we don't you know the food that we grow they don't spend a lot of energy on the road to get to the customer and I do believe local business will keep thriving so I think like the big farm you know big supply they have that purpose and we do have different purpose and in the long term I think yeah more and more people will go back like and focus on local businesses not only farming but just in general and the future of this farm yeah we we will try our best to keep serving the community around here and at the same time I do have the plan you know to bring good method of farming back to back to Vietnam where I'm from but in order to do that we need to find someone to replace my role over here and then when the farm is good on their own even if I'm not here yeah I will make the, the move back to Vietnam I want to spread by sharing my knowledge to the people back there what do people think about farming or farmers in Vietnam like are they very widely respected is that something uh, is it a career that kids want to do a lot or how is it viewed in, in your country um it's sad but a lot of people they run away they you know they they don't follow the path of farming because it's really hard work and it takes time it takes a lot of effort and I think a lot of people just go away from the hard work but to me like someone got to do it because it's really essential business because we can survive without farmers and someone got to do it I know that I want to ask you a little bit more about your dream of going back to Vietnam whatever you think might be the same or different trying to start a farm in Vietnam versus me um, so let's talk a little bit about my plan because I, I do know people there they right now they rely on a lot of like chemical fertilizer pesticide herbicide and they focus heavily on the high value crop like flowers and they you know they say they don't eat the flowers so they they make an, an excuse to use a lot of heavy for the fertilizer and heavy spray what I'm doing here we grown we grown things without those chemical we try to grow things in the most natural way as we can and I try to bring the technique back to Vietnam and start teaching people so they I want more and more people to do or follow the growing technique that's environmental friendly you know because what I'm trying to think about the long term we want to grow for a long time so we have to take better care of the environment and we yeah in Vietnam we can grow different variety of crops compared to here but what I'm aiming for is to teach the people how to take care of the soil in a good way and how to keep the soil healthy and from there you we can grow anything that can grow so the mostly I, I don't want to focus on teaching people how to grow this or how to grow that just 
try to give them a way that make the environment make their soil better and then from there everything will get better oh yeah i was gonna ask you about um whether people talk a lot about climate change in vietnam like do people feel really affected by it in vietnam or is it something that just people kind of kind of ignore oh yeah i'm um I mean, it, it's true everywhere. Like, if people get affected by that, they will talk about it. But like, if <laughs> it doesn't affect them, they, yeah, obviously those people talk because you know, environment, the environmental issue is for everyone. It's not for the certain group of people. But recently in Vietnam, they have a lot of um, tropical storm especially in the middle part of Vietnam they got hit so many times during the summertime and yeah it's it's really sad and also in the in the south of Vietnam around the, the Mekong Delta they don't have a lot of water in the river so they don't have a good source of water to grow rice and a lot of people they just lose like the acre and acres of rice is few and it's yeah it, it's really sad to look at that yeah i mean that definitely people they they care about that and they but they don't know what to do you know it takes a lot of different resources to find out the problem and to have the solution for that but the farmer is you know the first people who get affected by that that's so true do you think are you nervous about that going to farm there at all about like the tropical storms or drought or anything like that are you gonna consider that in picking a place? Um, you know, when we have something hard and then we will try to think a way to overcome that. Um, I know, you know, in California, they don't have a lot of water, so they have the dry farming method. And I think in the in the long run, maybe the people in Vietnam should look into that. Yeah. Thank you. And then my last question for you, is about your curry recipe <laughs> because okay. you make the best curry and the people listening won't know but could you offer any secret if you have a tip for people that want to cook the best curry like you do you should grill your ingredients because it will give you a nice a smoky flavor or if you don't have a grill or if it's convenient for you you can just like cook them on the different part on high heat you want you want the vegetable get burned just a little bit not like super super burned but burn enough to get you know to give you the smoke flavor nice char yes and then I do use coconut milk and then this is what you have to have the lemongrass so you have a bunch of lemongrass you fold them and then Use use a knife like to to mash them up, and then you you put it in the corner of you know of the curry pot. It will give you really nice flavor. That's the trick right there. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Next time on the Farmers I Know, I drive down to Richmond, Virginia, to talk with Patrick Johnson. He's been farming for over 30 years, got his master's in international agriculture and rural development from Cornell, and is a Peace Corps alum. Until then, you can follow me on Instagram, at The Farmers I Know, or check out my website, farmersiknow.com.